Welcome to A View from City Hall. This is Chad McLeod, one of your Lakeland City Commissioners. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, recently, I was running Lake Hollingsworth with a good friend of mine, Brad Sundgren. Many of you know Brad, and if you followed my campaign, you know he was a big big part of the campaign. And we had a special election yesterday. This is Wednesday, April 7th, Wednesday morning when I'm recording this. But um, And I'll get to that in a second. But Brad asked about this podcast and said, do you get any feedback on it? And, and I told him I do. I, not every episode, but from time to time, I run into people, friends, neighbors, folks in the community who will tell me, hey, I listen to the podcast. I appreciate you doing that. And so if, if you're out there and you're listening, I love the feedback. Uh, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or send me an email, chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net, uh, or just, just let me know uh, feedback, things you like, things you would like me to cover. That's always uh, helpful. My goal with this podcast is, one, to give a recap of some of the things that we talk about in our meetings, because they're long, and most of you aren't watching there are some who do, but most of you aren't watching every minute of, of our commission meeting. So I want to kind of hit the highlights and also give a, a window and insights into some of the things at City Hall, some of the decision making process and things that happen that people might not know or be aware of. And so I think that's helpful. Uh, this allows me a little bit more time. I like the format and the forum of a podcast. So certainly appreciate you listening. I'm hoping uh, for the next episode, I haven't told him this, but if, if he's out there listening, to have our city manager, Sean Sharaus, come on and uh, just share some of the things that are, are going on and, and things that are happening and are on our radar this year for the city. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully that'll be later this month. And uh, speaking of the, the special election, so uh, we had the election yesterday for uh, the filling the seat, the Southeast District seat, uh, now Representative Scott Franklin, who um, that... Uh, seat has been temporarily filled by uh, Commissioner Don Selvage, and I want to congratulate uh, the two who are moving to the runoff, Shandell Terrell and Mike Music, and, and really just hats off to all of the candidates, Steve Frankenberger, Ken Post. Uh, it, it is a, it, it's a gauntlet to go through a campaign season and, and really to put yourself out there and to do the forums and the debates and, and answering questions. And, and so certainly as, as one who's been a candidate and, and I admire anyone who jumps into the process. And I thought all of them really, uh, the way they uh, handled themselves at the forum and forums that uh, were held recently, it's, it's just been, I think they've all done a, a great job uh, going through what's been a, a pretty short campaign cycle. And now uh, Shandell and Mike are, are moving on to a runoff. And I, I certainly know what that's like, because it, at the end of 2019, uh, I went into a runoff, um, and and that is kind of campaign 2.0. So you've got to continue. You know, there's a lot of hard work down the stretch for the first campaign, and then you, you have to do it all again. And so I, I certainly wish uh, both of those guys uh, best of luck and appreciate their interest in serving and what they bring to the discussion. And that uh, runoff date will be in May, so that's coming quickly. And and for uh, the next few weeks, Commissioner Selvage is still with us. And so we said that at the end of our meeting on Monday, that we, we didn't know whether to thank him and, and share just kind of our thoughts about his service uh, as an interim commissioner, or we knew there was a decent chance that there would be a runoff when you have four people who are um, running for a seat. So he'll be back with us, and, and uh, certainly you know we'll see what happens in May on that front. 
But I had asked Brad yesterday, I, I sent him a message and said, seeing the campaign signs, did, did that make you um, miss being out and, and part of a grassroots team? Because he really was a huge part of my effort. And, and we did a lot of sign waving and precinct coordinating for volunteers and just the whole grassroots component that goes into a campaign. I don't think he misses it. I don't know if I can get him to, to do that again uh, for a, for another campaign because it was it was a lot of work. And, and that is, um, but it's fun. And uh one of the neat things about being on the commission is that when you're not running, all of the commissioners who are not up for election are part of the canvassing board. And that term, it's, I think, maybe a little confusing. What does that mean exactly? We go to the supervisor of elections office uh, on election night and um, really just uh, oversee as the returns are coming in. We look at a lot of uh, the, the mail-in ballots, if there are signature questions and, and things that the staff of the Supervisor of Elections Office, if they have, that the canvassing board, the, the commissioners uh, who are not up for election, we serve as kind of advisors and we, we vote on did this uh, ballot have a signature? Is it Should it be accepted, rejected? There aren't a lot of those in the grand scheme of how many uh, votes are coming back, but it is an important role uh, for for the commission to be part of that canvassing board and to ensure that you know the process is is done right, that it's fair, that it that, that there's nothing going on in terms of you know you hear a lot about election integrity and and I think at the local level that canvassing board and the role that we play of being on site uh, is uh, a big part of that and and kind of a third party if you will. Uh, I, I was impressed with the the process by the supervisor of elections office. This was my first time being on the canvassing board, seeing how Lori Edwards and her team uh, are organized and uh, run uh, the the process of re- receiving the returns and, and the election results. I thought it was well done. So, so I want to give a recap of uh, Monday's meeting, and, and I'll hit on a number of items that happened and and kind of go over the highlights. The first, and, and you may have seen this, was uh, there was a rally uh, by a number of police officers and uh, the police union, as well as remarks uh, that were made at the meeting by some of the members of the police uh, department citizens advisory board. And so that's a new group of, I believe it's about 12 um, representatives from the community who were on that advisory board and they wanted to speak. And so the rally, uh, and, and if you saw the coverage, uh, the the police union is um, in the process of negotiating a contract uh, with the city. And, and that's been going on uh, since 2019. Uh, it, the, the process started before I came onto the commission, but it, it's Still, it's it's been ongoing, and so uh, I think there's there's frustration from the police union in trying to reach a deal uh, in terms of salary and benefits and the package, and that they uh, we haven't been able to reach that uh, the city and and the police union, and so the advisory board members uh, who are tasked with just looking at the police department uh, operations, uh, giving their their perspective, serving as a link between. Uh, the community and the police department and making recommendations on how do we improve the police department. Those members wanted to speak and just uh, encourage the city, encourage the commission to to make sure that we are, one, reach a deal, but we're paying our officers a a competitive and fair wage and, and they wanted to lend their voice to that. And so, you know, this is something that I think um, maybe there's the, the potential for the perception of the, the police officers and the police union being at odds with the city of Lakeland. And I think anytime in contract negotiations, uh, there are, you know, there are different sides, there are different perspectives. Um, 
and, and I will say that this process is has been going on too long. I, I think we are all, as a commission, hopeful that a deal will be reached very soon. I know negotiations are ongoing even this week. Uh, it is important to know, and the mayor mentioned this at the meeting, that the commissioners, we are not in the room uh, negotiating. We're not in in the details of those negotiation sessions. That is the way it is designed, uh, those labor negotiations, whether it's the police union, the fire union, our electric uh, workers union, that those negotiations uh, are led by the city manager's office and staff. And we're certainly kept uh, up to speed on what's going on, um, but rarely uh, does the process come all the way to the commission. Now that is possible. That is sort of the last step if an agreement cannot be reached. And so I, I'm hopeful that a deal will be reached soon and um, that we can find uh, a deal that works for both sides uh, and keeping an eye on the long term of, yes, absolutely, we want to make sure that, that we pay our police officers well, that we're not losing talent to other agencies, that we're competitive, that we show uh, the appreciation in the form of pay and benefits that those men and women deserve. I, I don't want there to be the perception that there's a lack of support for law enforcement uh, coming from City Hall or the City Commission. There's tremendous support. And, and I, uh, along with several of my colleagues, we had the, the chance to attend the annual uh, Police Department Awards Ceremony on Friday. And I was just blown away by the stories that were told about the men and women receiving those awards. And I know there's so many other stories that did not get shared at that ceremony, just of the daily service, the sacrifice, the things that those officers do every day. And so my hat is off to those folks. I um, consider myself uh, part of a law enforcement family. You know, my dad, uh, who passed away in 2012, but he was a police officer my entire life uh, for Bartow Police Department. Uh, he was a police chief in North Florida and Live Oak uh, when I was in high school and then came back, uh, finished his career um, at the city of Auburndale as police chief there. And so I know that world very well. And so stay tuned. As I said, I'm hopeful that we will have an agreement very soon and certainly um, working toward that. Uh, another item that we talked about at, at good length on Friday at our agenda study meeting, which is where we prepare for the, the Monday meeting. Uh, it's, a, it's a virtual session. We're not taking votes on, on any of these items, but really just talking through them and asking questions of staff. But we had to adopt the uh, fire code for the city of Lakeland. And so this was interesting. Fire codes are uh, new to me um, before coming onto the commission. I was not well-versed in fire codes. It's just not something that uh, really has intersected with my line of work. But um, we adopt the state fire code. The state of Florida has its own fire code. And so by law, we're required at a minimum to adopt the state code to follow and enforce uh, fire codes and requirements on buildings and businesses that uh, are required by the state of Florida. There are times where we are at cities, counties, you're able to have more stringent requirements. You're not allowed to uh, loosen any of the requirements, but you, you can be uh, more stringent. And so there was a debate over a, a provision in the code where we were requiring as a city for any building that is designated as a business occupancy. So office complexes, 12,000 square feet uh, and above require an automatic sprinkler system. And this is not required in the state's code. The state requires other types of classifications that are not business occupancy uh, to have that, but not those that are uh, business occupancy. And so the, the discussion was, do we follow the state's code or do we have our own, which is what we've had in the past. We've put 
this other requirement on businesses. If you're 12,000 square feet or above, you have to have an automatic sprinkler system. And, and it has caused some frustration among businesses who are trying to, to get set up and maybe they didn't know about this requirement or it came in at, at kind of the last minute or just the cost factor of it, uh, trying to uh, open a new business and then the cost of installing an automatic sprinkler system is significant. And, and it's a hindrance for businesses. And so trying to balance that, that feedback from the business community, and ultimately we decided to remove that provision to conform to the state code to not require that um, step, automatic sprinkler systems for businesses, uh, 12,000 square feet and above. Again, other classifications of, of buildings uh, do require that. But for me, you know, I, you certainly don't want to, um, uh, you, you can make an argument for we want to be as safe as possible. We want to have codes and regulations that, that um, protect buildings and, and safety of, of people uh, and the property. But I think anytime we add another layer of regulation of requirements on individuals and businesses that is different from what the state of Florida requires, that we have to have a very compelling and strong reason to do that. And I didn't see that uh, in our discussions. I was comfortable with, I, I wanted to remove that provision to conform with the state's code. Uh, one of the commissioners mentioned that it's possible the state of Florida will change the code in the future and require business occupancies to have that to have those sprinkler systems. And in which case, we will be required as a city to follow suit. But I think as you it gets problematic, as you have different cities and counties all across the state trying to add their own provisions to the state's fire code, and especially if you're a business that operates in multiple cities and counties and, and there are different requirements. So I was a, I'm a fan of uniformity in these types of codes and regulations across the state of Florida, unless, like I said, there's a real compelling and strong reason uh, to have our own uh, extra regulation. But it was a good discussion and certainly uh, is one that um, for, for many businesses, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. And so, um, you know, I appreciate the thought and uh, consideration that went into that on you know, with my colleagues as well as the, the fire department and, and their staff. There's an item coming before us soon. It's an appeal of a decision by the Planning and Zoning Board, and it, the, our Planning and Zoning Board recently denied an application for a cell phone tower. Uh, it is off of Hardin Boulevard south of Ariana Street. Uh, it's close to the, the uh, proposed tower that came before the commission several months ago that it was at the corner of, of Ariana and Hardin, kind of that northeast corner uh, was, was that proposed site. This is a different application. It's very uh, close in proximity, but it's a different applicant. So this is being led by Verizon is the company that would, would be um, using that tower, and uh, our planning and zoning board denied that application. By law, the applicant can appeal that decision, and it, it comes to the commission for us to consider, was something missed by the planning and zoning board? Uh, do we um, find reason to send it back to the planning and zoning board? Different options that we will have. That was supposed to be on Monday's agenda, but the applicant asked for a continuance. So basically to delay this item, uh, citing that it's it's complex, it's nuanced, there are different arguments being made as to why the denial um, was wrong and that we should reconsider uh, as a city. And so we, uh, our next meeting, April 19th, is when we are going to, to consider that issue. And this is these are interesting cases. As a commission, when we are acting as a, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, when we're acting as a quasi-judicial branch of government and, and we are hearing a case and you're deciding on 
which way to go based on the testimony that has been presented during that hearing. And this is what we, we get into when we have uh, land use and zoning cases and things like that, is that we have to consider the evidence and the testimony that's presented at the hearing. So stay tuned for that one, because you will be hearing more on that and, and just the, the overall um, issue of cell phone towers and how uh, that process works, uh, the role of local government in approving and or denying uh, those applications. Uh, There was an item on the agenda about our comprehensive plan for the city of Lakeland, and we spent a lot of time on this one. I know that um, for most people, the the comprehensive plan is probably not something you think about ever, if often, but it was a good discussion. And so basically, every city and county is required by the state of Florida to have a comprehensive plan. It's a 10-year blueprint for future growth for the city. And so I'm, I'm looking at the city's, our, our website here, and, and it's describing the plan. It, it talks about, you know, the comprehensive plan examines relevant information, such as population projections, the pattern of existing development, suitability, suitability of land for development, the capacity of public facilities uh, to serve future development, and the financial capacity of the city to make those improvements uh, to those facilities. All This is important, and all land use decisions made by the city must be in conformance with the comprehensive plan. I'm, again, reading from the city's website. So it's an important document. It really, it's 200 plus pages. So I, I know that, and even Commissioner Reed said he uh, recently was trying to read through it, and I don't know how far he made it, but it it's a uh, tall order to read through the entire document. Now, I will say that the previous document was 700 plus pages, so I applaud uh, the effort that has gone into reducing uh, the, the length of the plan. We had a presentation from Pat Steed, who is the executive director of the Central Florida Regional Planning Council. I sit on that board uh, as as our city's representative to that group. And, and Pat and her team, they advise cities all throughout the Central Florida region on their comprehensive plans and help put those together. And so that was, uh, it was a lot of information that Pat presented to us, but uh, stay tuned on that. I'm ho- So we voted, we took a vote on sending the plan to the state of Florida and it will come back to us for final approval, but we had to, the process requires that the commission vote to, it's called transmit. We use all these different phrases that I think it's confusing, but basically we're sending the document to the state of Florida's Department of Economic Opportunity for them to review, provide any uh, feedback additions and send back to us. Now, I think it's rare that they really provide anything back other than they want to approve it and see that we are uh, in compliance and having our comprehensive plan. And then it comes back in the near future for the commission to approve and adopt. And, and there are some I don't think there's surprising trends that we see in that plan, but when we look at population growth and projections over the next 10 years, the demand for housing was one of the things that jumped out at me, and I talked about this in the meeting, is just seeing that the uptick in uh, people moving to Central Florida and the housing demand that is coming our way and looking at land that is available within the designated uses. So, you know, where do we have land that is designated for residential and and what does that, you know, look like and and what will happen over the next 10 years in terms of building, whether it's multifamily housing, apartment complex or single family homes and just how that is going to grow as as a city. We're growing and at times that brings growing pains. Even uh, there, uh, a lot of times uh, when there's a uh, request for new development or rezoning, you will hear our city staff say this conforms with a comprehensive plan. It's in alignment with this. And so for that reason, the staff may recommend it, 
doesn't always mean that the commission will approve it. And so that creates some tension and just trying to work through that as a process. But I wanted to mention it because the comprehensive plan, it is important. It's an important document. And, and we talked about it a lot on uh, on Monday. So uh, stay tuned for that. I hope we can produce kind of a Cliff Notes version for the community to understand what this is, what it says, and something that's uh, far less than 200 pages. Another item that we approved uh, was a, a contract for a roof replacement at the airport. And I mentioned this for several reasons. There are a number of contracts for different types of work done throughout the city that we're, as a commission, not involved in the, the details of uh, those contracts, but the city manager's office brings us the final result of, hey, we had this, we have this need, we put this out for bid, here are the companies that came back, and we're asking for your approval. That happens all the time at the commission meetings. And most of the time, I'd say 99% of the time, those pass, uh, they are approved unanimously, and, and we move on. This one was the same. The airport, there's a, there are two buildings, I believe it's 80. 5,000 square feet, uh, two of our tenants at the airport, Publix and Polk State College, those buildings are in need of, of a roof replacement before uh, the rainy season. And so, and looking at, at this project, uh, the lowest bidder uh, is a company out of Tampa. And several of us uh, wished we had seen more companies from Lakeland Polk County bidding on this project. And I don't know, that was one of the questions I had is why don't we see, I think there was one Lakeland company uh, that came in second place, and then there was a another uh, Polk County-based company outside of, of the city. Um, and we do have a local vendor preference where there are points that are awarded for being a local vendor. In this case, it was not enough to be able to uh, put that that Lakeland company into first place. But I, I love to see, for Lakeland businesses out there, see companies that are bidding on anytime there's a project that the city where we need expertise and we need to contract out, that if we can stay local, that we do. It's not always that simple, and I know that, and I know our staff, they do their diligence, but I, I will always want to make sure that we are advertising those projects very well. I never want to hear a business say, I would have been interested in this, but I didn't know about it. And um, so that you know, part of that, just making sure that we're always announcing those projects and um, uh, and getting local companies to bid on work for the city. And I think there's, there's room to see that increase, you know, in that process. So uh, sun and fun is coming up. That's the last thing that I'll, I'll talk about uh, on this episode. I'm over my 20 minute target. I try to stay around 20 minutes, but Sun and Fun starts next week. I believe it's April 13th. Yes, April 13th through the 18th. And so it's going to be a fun event. After not having Sun and Fun last year, I think everyone is just excited. Ticket sales are up. I think it's a record uh, year so far in advanced ticket sales. And the Blue Angels will be here. It's going to be a fun week and next weekend. And so if you have the chance to get out there, I encourage you to do it. Uh, I know my wife and I will be out there on, on Saturday night, the 17th, but I'm hoping to get the kids out as well because I know they would absolutely love this. And we have so many Sun and Fun fans and visitors who come to the area for that event. So we are all um, excited about that. I think I'll leave it here this week. I, you know, I've talked about a number of items and as always, I appreciate, uh, one, the opportunity to serve on the commission. I was talking to a friend at church on Sunday, somebody I haven't seen in a while. And he said, how, how do you like it? And I told him, I, I love it. I, uh, enjoy 95% of the work that we do. And there's 5% that, that maybe you don't like as much, but I think, uh, that's the case with most jobs, but I appreciate the privilege of being in this position and being able to, to serve 
send me your feedback on this podcast. If there are topics you want to hear about, if there are things that um, interviews, guests, or people you want me to have on, um, let me know that as well. Chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net. That comes directly to me, and I do my best to respond to everybody who sends me a a personal email. So um, thank you, Lakeland. Have a great week, and I'll see you back again soon. 